listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. The Kansas City Chiefs, a team that had both tackles out for the Super Bowl, to the it hurt them to the point that it wasn't even a competitive game. Both of those tackles cut, cut from the team today. Yeah, a little over a year removed from a Super Bowl win, and the Kansas City Chiefs find themselves without both tackles from that Super Bowl team. Former number one overall pick Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, both gone from Kansas City, the latest in what should be a long list of cab casualties. Okay, so some people may say these aren't really all that great linemen anyway, so no big deal. And I think with Eric Fisher specifically, his reputation, him being a former number one pick, uh, literally number one overall, he was, at least from the public's perspective, overrated. His pro football focus grade was an 80 in 2020, which is good, but not great. And off a Achilles tear at age 30, you know, who knows what would have been or what will be next year's reality for Eric Fisher. Now, Schwartz, the right tackle, 31 years old, his PFF grade 75. To me, that one was a little more surprising just because, though this year Schwartz had injury lingering throughout the entire year with his back specifically, he had gone effectively his entire career through 2019 without missing a snap, Jonas. He had 7,894 consecutive offensive snaps, and that ended midseason 2019. So here's a guy that was an Iron Man, like a, a, a shockingly durable. Some issues, he's gone. And I think that this says more about how every team except a handful are going to be scrambling to keep their team together. And the catch-22 is the better the teams are, the more disrupting the team hurts. So think about Kansas City and the narrative entering last season after the Super Bowl. It was, hey, they've got everyone back, and they improved themselves at running back. Okay, that was a very valid narrative. But – Imagine a team like the Detroit Lions, like a bad team. If they lose half their team, maybe it's a good thing, right? Kansas City losing a chunk of their team is going to be a bad thing. So my first real big takeaway here, other than this is going to be huge and a huge effect, is the fact that the better teams are probably going to suffer more because they got more to lose. Does that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, and I think the teams that have locked up players before this offseason to long-term deals are now going to have to start making really tough decisions on other players on the roster, or even those players that they may have just signed to deals not that long ago. Because, and I think you make a great point, those deals were made under the assumptions yep. of the salary cap increasing 10 11 million dollars like like an army marching chung chung ch- and and it's another you know and that's why it, it harkens back to the DAC deal how shocking the numbers were because again entering last season the estimate for 2021's cap would have been about 211 million dollars per team 
and now it's been set at 182.5, so 182 or million, uh, and a little bit, uh, and, and a little bit less, you know, or a little bit more, you know, the extra 500,000. And to me, that difference is literally, I mean, think about it. It's, uh, 18, you know, 20, almost $30 million. That is effectively a starting, you know, an elite, that's more expensive than Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's 25 million. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing to think about Brady as a comparison. It's like saying you thought you could pay Brady. Now you can't now what? And it, and it's not just, you're going to eliminate some 15 or two $15 million players. Cause who are you going to replace them with? Right. So, I mean, it's like someone's got to play those positions. So to me, it, it really goes back again to Dallas and how the DAC deal is bad for them midterm. But this year it saved them 15 million, the DAC signing, as opposed to him getting tagged. And I think that was the key to all of it. Jerry Jones just didn't have the option to tag again because that without that 15 million, the team would have been gutted. And to me, man, Dallas is not going to be the only one. And and the handful of teams that do have cap space may be something we should look at betting-wise because when you do bet early, future bets, division odds, et cetera, you're handicapping all the factors, right? It's going to be the draft. You're going to handicap free agency. And usually it's hard to know, right? But this year – the teams like a New England, Jacksonville, that have so much money, it's not only they're not going to have to cut, they're going to be able to do bargain basement shopping. This is like the day after Christmas, and they they got a pocket full of money and everyone else is broke. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be my next point. Is and, and just in looking at the teams that have the most salary cap space – what are those – who's got the best Super Bowl odds? Because maybe there is something to that or even division odds or something to where if you're if you're a team right now and you're scrambling to have to cut players just to get under the cap, just just to get, you know, in, 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 to, to get set up to where you've got a week left and, and you've got the ability to make a couple of moves here or there, but clearly you're going to have to walk away from talented players. Well, those players are going to be looking around going, all right, who can offer me the most? Maybe this is the offseason that a player goes – I don't care that I normally wouldn't want to play up in New England. If they're offering me the most money as in comparison to everybody else, and I'm going to take that deal, thus New England's going to be able to get the better players, and I just wonder how that affects them going into next season. Yeah, and, and I would say just knowing what I know about Belichick – is Belichick would never want someone that didn't want to play for New England. But I think there's a I think we got a little bit of a skewed um, perspective from the opt-outs last year. I think across the league, there's a there, there's a certain type of player that would want nothing more than to play for Belichick. I mean, think about it. Uh, I don't know who's your radio. I wouldn't say hero, but who do you look up to the most? In, in, and I'm not even talking sports radio. It might be Howard Stern. It might be whomever. Is there someone that you just love, maybe from your youth in radio? Oh, God. Um, that's a good question. Who, who would that be? Uh, I, was a big, I was a big Tony Bruno fan, Mike North, um, Andy okay. Furman. Okay, yeah, Mike guys, North yeah. out of Chicago, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's a good uh, buddy of mine. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah I, I actually uh, did a couple years with Bruno and Philly and stuff, and he's always been nice to me. But so imagine, like for me, it's Howard Stern, right? I mean, I just think he's a, a, a genius at radio. So now imagine a situation that I had a job offer and it was for X, but it was maybe 0.7X but I'm getting to work with Howard Stern. Like, not so much work as in, oh, we're on the same network. or No, no I mean, like, be there in meetings, watching what he does, etc. To me, I would take, you know, at that time in the past where that would have been maybe viable, I would have taken a lot less money. Yeah. Now, again, we everyone's got to eat, right? But, I mean, it's we're talking about NFL players, so it's not about eating. I would have taken a lot less to be to learn really from Howard Stern, and I'll give you an example. There's a movie director, Terrence Malick, who did the Tree of Life, which is a pretty famous, like really well-regarded movie. He did uh, Thin Red Line back uh, around '97, '98, and when he did the Thin Red Line, it was a war movie. Nick Nolte was in it, and a lot of big names. It was the first movie he had made for like 15 years. And literally, there were numerous like famous directors who were younger who went to I think it was in Australia they recorded it and went down and were like acting as his uh, director of photography or like they were playing roles that they just wouldn't play almost like the dream team let's say in the Olympics where you've got a great head coach who's the third assistant right because they wanted to see this guy work. So to me, if I'm a great NFL player or if I'm an elite NFL player or even any NFL player. If I get a year or two with Belichick, I think my whole career is going to benefit from that, what I learn. So you're right. There's a lot of players that aren't going to want the scrutiny and the intensity. But I think in general, Belichick's never going to have to overpay. And I think the fact that that, at least with certain players, and I think because I believe that, I think the extra money New England has could really make all the difference because they're going to be able to get, in theory, a lot of mid-level guys, you know, those five, six, seven million dollar guys that maybe would be 10 or 11 million in a different year. And the question with New England is the quarterback, because I don't care how good your team is. Otherwise, if Cam is the quarterback and plays the way he played last year, I don't think that team goes anywhere. Maybe they slip in the playoffs. But what do you think? Do you think that team could go anywhere? And if it really is about the quarterback, who's really viable left for New England? I mean, I, when it comes to New first of all, they won seven games last year, which, which I think is impressive considering you had a quarterback who threw for under 100 yards, I think at least two or three times last year. And, and you were winning games. And if a couple of those games go one way or the other, we're talking about a 500 or a 9-7 and seven team and a team that's fighting for the final but playoff to me, to me, Jonas, except for the Seattle game, they pretty much won every game they could have won. It, it, it did feel like the best, you know, Seattle, they could have won that game, but it felt like the best result they could have had. But, but, but I hear you, maybe they do go 10 and six, but that team's not going to be no. a Buffalo. That it, it, well, and, and I just, and, and to your point, I, I think we can look around the NFL and when you, when you brought this up, it just, I started thinking about this and this is, and you would know this obviously better than anybody. If, if you talk about this all the time, get if there's a line out there, attack it early. 
Like, don't wait around. Attack it early. If there's something you like or you identify, attack the line early and get on top of it, just like you did with the Brooklyn Nets, and look at what's happened with that line. And it's if you're seeing the NFL, and I, I don't even know if the season win totals have come out yet because I think they're still deciding on a 17th game this season. Yeah, so what you can bet right now is you can bet the Super Bowl odds, which are generally not the best odds to bet. And also, though, where there's real opportunity, division odds. Division odds, I think, is the way you attack it now. So the teams with the most cap space, if you're looking at those teams' odds to win the division, I just wonder how that would impact that moving forward. Because as of right now, it hasn't been touched because we don't know who's going to go where. But if you if you see Jacksonville, who's got a ton of money to yep. spend, and they're going to land a big-time quarterback at the top of the draft, and you like Jacksonville in that division because you think Houston's got issues and you're not sure about Wentz and Indianapolis and who knows about Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill after what happened at the end of the season last year, I, maybe Jacksonville's got some value as well. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've talked about how the salary cap reduction is going to impact some teams that don't have a lot of room to move around with. But one of those teams that does have some room is the Jacksonville Jaguars picking at the top of the NFL draft. And they are actually the number one team, Jacksonville, in the NFL when it comes to cap space. So they have $73 million. I mean, wowza, $73 million. Now, there's literally only 23 teams with a positive number and you've got the other teams so i guess 10 of them that actually are um over the cap right now which is uh in 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 the most extreme in those cases the rams the saints the bears the eagles the falcons and the packers so if you think about it you can kick the can down the road. We we shouldn't assume that teams that are in a bad cap spot are going to have to be doing a fire sale. Now, some teams will need to, but other teams can kick the can down the road. But once they do, the pain is going to be even greater. And we've talked about that a good bit. Now, why would a team kick the can down the road versus not? To me, it's all about do they have a chance to win this year? So the Saints, they went all in, it felt like, for a couple years trying to win a last one with Drew Brees. It hasn't happened, though he hasn't officially retired. Every move the Saints are making seems like they understand, okay, it's time to pay the piper. We're going to have a year or two that we're going to have real limits financially. And then in theory, they can start back towards trying to win again. And they're going to try to win. It's just going to be hard to win at the highest level. And we saw another piece of news today with the Saints where they're st- they have a starting cornerback they just cut today. 
and it, it was like you know no, they didn't get anything for it there's no benefit for it it's literally just okay we were able to pay you before we're not able to pay you now and we also you know obviously we talked earlier about Kansas City and cutting both tackles and if you look at specifically the Saints, that cornerback was uh, Jenkins, yeah, last Jenkins. name. Yeah. And uh, you, you want to uh, give the details on that, Jonas? Yeah, so it's uh, Janoris Jenkins, uh, veteran uh, cornerback there for New Orleans. And he was set to make $11.2 million this year in salary and bonuses, uh, 1.2 of which was guaranteed. So they're going to be able to save that money off of next year's um, salary cap or off the salary cap currently. So it's going to so the- save them at least $7 million again against the salary cap and possibly another $3 million, uh, if he's designated as a post-June 1 release, that according to ESPN. Okay, so Jenkins gone. Emmanuel Sanders already gone. Their punter gone. Tight end Hill gone. And offensive lineman Easton gone. Already from the Saints. And obviously Sanders was one of the real big things they did last year. And if there's any, again, any, and he played relatively well. And it's just, there's not enough money. And I think if you look at the names on that list, it reinforces a key point. Most likely, the bargains are going to be in the middle class. This is going to be a league where you've got the rich, rich best players, the super high paid, because they're not going to suffer, and the, or mostly they won't. And then you're going to have a lot of rookies or veteran minimums. And the guys who are in between those, you know, seven to 13, you know, $12 million guys, it may be they're getting half as much on average. And Again, that's where New England and Belichick love to shop. They love those middle-of-the-road veterans. They got enough tape on them, and you know they'll pay him eight million bucks. Man, if he can get Belichick can get those guys for four million, I think this, the the Patriots could really surprise, especially if they get lucky at quarterback. So back to Jacksonville. So the hitman who is an excellent NFL handicapper. The funny thing is, his name, he goes as the hitman. He's a school teacher in New Jersey. <laughs> and he's like 5'10, 140 pounds. <laughs> I actually call him the translucent one because you can almost see through his skin, but he calls himself the hitman. So you, <laughs> you know the guy wins, right? If, if, if he has the guts to do that, he wins. He liked Jacksonville to win the division at 12 to 1. Now, the thing that causes me pause is if you look at the list of the teams with the most money, number four, the Colts. So, yeah, I think Jacksonville has a real edge because of all the money, but Indianapolis does too. So ah, I don't like that as much, though obviously if you're getting 12-1, to it only takes Wentz, and I'm not real high on Wentz, it only takes him having a disastrous season, and all of a sudden now you know Houston's out of it pretty much, and – you know, you got Tennessee, you know, give me Tennessee versus Jacksonville and I'm getting 12 to one. Yeah. Obviously Jacksonville is an underdog, but yeah. boy, you, you think about it with all the draft choices they've got cheap talent. They got the number one pick in the draft, supposedly the best quarterback since luck. I'm a skeptic, but okay. I don't think any team in memory 
will improve as much as Jacksonville has the potential to. If Jacksonville, I'll say it like this, Jonas. If Jacksonville spends the money, if they spend the money, they will improve between last season and this upcoming season more than any team in memory because all the draft choices, the quarterback, and then, you know, free agents in theory that add up to, you know, 60, 70 million dollars. I think they're worth a flyer. What do you think of the 12 to 1? Yeah, and I also think that there's a little bit of a misnomer. I mean, we've got a couple of examples to where a coach comes from college and it doesn't work. You know, obviously everyone goes straight to Steve Spurrier. That one didn't work. But, you know, Nick Saban's first year as an NFL head coach, I mean, he went 9-7. and seven. I know there's this thought that he was the, you know, it just was a complete failure in Miami. He wasn't. He went 9-7. and seven. Um, Chip Kelly won a division, went 10-6 wow, and yep. six with Philadelphia. You can look at Matt Rule and say, well, they were only five. Five and eleven, but there's a lot of people who really like what Carolina did last year. So maybe Urban Meyer brings in some of that college blood into the at the NFL level, ignites that team. They get rolling a little bit, and if it comes down to you know that team at twelve to one, I I agree with you. I would take them over Tennessee uh, uh, just based on what I saw in the playoff game. I'd take them over Tennessee. I think Tennessee's defense at, at, at is still 12 suspect. To one. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. At, at twelve to one, and then yes, Indianapolis I think is the real threat to that pick, but you know it's also Carson Wentz. I, we may like it in theory based on how he performed when he was with Frank Reich, but a lot's changed since then yeah. mentally for him. So who knows? I, ju- I just think there might be it could be a sneaky pick there out of the AFC South. And it's important to realize when you bet something a twelve to one, if it happens ten percent of the time, you are ecstatic. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. If you were listening to this show, you would have known that there was one team and one player to watch for during the NBA season in its final stretch. <laughs> well, we've had a, we've got a portfolio, really, in a way. We've got uh, on the show officially. We've got Embiid at five and a half to one, and then last week. I just had a, I just had an epiphany. I said, as much as Harden is going to suffer for what he did in Houston, I think it's possible he's able to overcome it. At the time, the odds were thirty-three to one to win the MVP, so we put a bet on it. And Mackenzie, you've got the updated odds. It's been less than a, oh, about a week, I guess. What's the updated odds? Currently sixteen to one. Ooh, Jonas. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so that 33-1 looks good in my pocket. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give an NF or a NBA title pick. I don't know. Have you looked at the title odds recently? No, I, uh, I only... Good, I've because only... I, I want to ask you... I'm sorry to interrupt, okay. but I want to ask you a specific question. Sure. Is... What do you? What would you think the odds should be on the Philadelphia 76ers? As far as where they rank in team, most likely. No, I'm saying like, what, what? What should the odds be of them winning the title? I would put them at, at about four. I would put them at about twenty-five to one. Holy cow! You want to book some action? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> now, I thought the odds were shockingly big still as i thought this through yesterday right now you can get 13 to 1 oh, okay on the 76ers and i would make the following case Embiid is 
the small favorite right now to be MVP. He's right there with LeBron, about two to one. So, and I think it's fair to say there's no doubt Embiid's playing the best basketball. Yeah. You know, Le- so if you got the best player in the league, you've got the number two favorite for all defensive team with Simmons. You got potential buyouts or who knows what. You know, like like all the good teams. It strikes me that the idea that right now that Brooklyn is like two and a half to one, and I think they should be favored over Philly, but should the odds be like? Like five times? Do you think that, that, that Brooklyn wins the title five times for every no. one time Philly does? Uh, no. I, I think the pushback that some people have on Philadelphia, and for as good as Embiid is playing, is just the matchup is not a good one for Philadelphia. See, to where... I, I disagree. Because what is, we, what is the weakness of the Nets? Is defensive defense, de- yeah. defense inside, right? Yeah. And who's the best post? Who's the best inside player in the game right now? Score. Joel Embiid. Yeah, him and, and Jokic. So, I, I mean, to me, I think that you're right. Is that the Nets score? But the Nets are going to score regardless, it seems. But I think Philly scores too. And hey, listen, this is part to me of putting a portfolio together, which is if you can get a number of teams at juicy prices, you're going to be, you know, my thought's going to be, okay, Phoenix wins the Pacific. I'm happy. And I'm going to want Philadelphia to win, but I'd love to see the conference finals between Philly and the Nets because now it's like I got I got someone in the finals anyway. I'm looking to bet against the Lakers, so I like that. So let's make it official. 13-1, to 1, we're going to take the Philadelphia 76ers to win the NBA title. And if history is any indication, it'll be down to about seven to one by next week. <laughs> but you don't like Probably. that one. You don't like that one. Uh, no, I, I, I just I, Brooklyn's too tough in the East. I, I don't know. I Which just, makes I, our four to one even better, right? Right out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 